Welcome to the Anthropology and Business Podcast, where you'll learn about the many ways anthropology is applied in business and why business anthropology is one of the most effective lenses for making sense of organizations and consumers. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in advertising, marketing, consumer behavior, organizational culture, user experience, and many other roles, you'll learn firsthand what it means to do business anthropology and how the work differs from academic anthropology. We'll discuss issues like the pace and depth of research in business, our visibility and influence as practitioners, and what we can do to build our brand. We will also focus on the value and impact of our research in business so that we can help business leaders understand why they should be hiring anthropologists. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anthropology and Business Podcast. I'm here today with Kirsten Snover of anthropology for You, which is an online education site teaching anthropology uh, really for everybody, but especially those who might not have had an anthropology background. So Kirsten, thanks for joining me today. I'm really interested and excited to talk about your public anthropology project, uh, which I'm obviously passionate about as well. So um, would you mind telling everybody a little bit about how you first got interested in anthropology? Uh, sure. So I like to say that I was always an anthropologist. I just never knew it. And so as a child, I remember reading National Geographic and books like that and looking at pictures of people from different cultures and wondering why they chose to live differently than us. Um, and when I was in grade school and high school, I always loved the science courses and I had planned to go into biology, specializing in genetics and become some kind of research scientist. But then I took a class in college on bioethics. And this was really the first time I was confronted with all the ethical issues involved. And so after that class, I wasn't really sure how I felt ethically about my career plans. And so I dropped out of college, got married, had a child, had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, and then I moved uh, to Spokane, Washington, and uh, I taught in a AmeriCorps program where I taught at-risk students how to read at the elementary school. And part of that package was that I received a partial college scholarship. And I thought, well, now would be a great time to go back to school. I thought since I had been teaching, maybe I'd like to be an education major. Uh, so I had a lot of meetings with my undergraduate advisor, and I really struggled choosing a major. And finally, uh, my advisor had me look through the entire catalog of courses and highlight each one I wanted to take. And basically, I highlighted, highlighted everything in the anthropology category. So he told me, I think, you know, you need to go talk to the anthropology department. And at that time, I didn't really understand what anthropology was. I had never heard of it before. All I knew was what I had read about the courses. And so I walked over to the anthropology department and basically, the next thing I knew, I was signed up as an anthropology major. Um, do you recall any of the classes that you highlighted? You know, was there anything that particularly jumped out for you? Um, 
Pretty much everything. I was interested in all four fields equally. Um, but then one day, and I actually have the date written down, it was January 21st, 2003. Uh, I was in a cultural ecology anthropology class. And so the professor was talking about perceptions and folk taxonomies. And suddenly, like, everything I had learned was, like, making more sense. And then the professor talked about medical anthropology and the role of perceptions in that. And then I suddenly realized that if I had to choose a focus within anthropology, it would be medical anthropology. And it was a great way to, like, mesh my previous interests in biology and genetics and my new interests in anthropology um, and so that's how I decided to uh, become a medical anthropologist. Tell us a little bit, you know, aside from their early interest that you had, you know, really what about medical anthropology really speaks to you, you know, over the other disciplines? Um, I'm really interested in perceptions in general on how people from different cultures perceive uh, things differently. Um, so, like in medical anthropology, what I really got interested in, and I, when I was starting to work on my PhD, which unfortunately I was unable to finish, uh, but what I wanted to research for my PhD was um, how people perceive different illnesses, and then how those perceptions can turn around and affect uh, people's behavior when it comes to treating their illness. Um, and I, I'm not really sure why that interests me so much, but I just found it fascinating. As you were going through the program, aside from medical anthropology, was there anything else that really jumped out at you? Uh, forensic anthropology. Uh, I took a lot of forensic anthropology courses as an undergraduate, and then also when I was a graduate student. Um, and a lot of times I kind of went back and forth between, you know, maybe I want to be a forensic anthropologist instead. Um, but I also noticed, uh, like when I taught uh, the forensic anthropology lab, course, and I've ta uh, taught a few workshops, what I really enjoyed out of that, as much as I enjoyed the actual topic of study, was trying to help students who had no background in forensics or osteology. I'd help them, you know, learn. Uh, we using simpler words and simpler concepts uh, so that they could learn the bones. Like most professors use very complicated technology to talk about like a location on the bone um you know maybe it's a tubercle or something and, and that's hard for beginning students to understand and so my approach was more see this bump this is what we're talking about right here instead of saying oh there's something superior or lateral to this or that and uh i compared a lot of the bones to different animals. Like if you hold the spinal vertebrae in certain positions, it can resemble a giraffe uh, or a moose. And that was a lot easier for students to learn how to identify the bones using those kind of concepts. Uh, and so that's what I really started thinking about uh, 
becoming a professor in teaching because uh, I really enjoyed uh, teaching as well as anthropology. So that seemed like the perfect thing. And I was hoping to teach at a community college where, once again, I could teach students who had no background in these kind of topics, uh, and I wanted to get them interested about anthropology. And so obviously you're doing that today, and we're going to get there. But is that really your interest in teaching, is bringing new people into, you know, at least obviously anthropology, but maybe arguably any field? Uh, Yeah, anthropology is my focus, but I have been a teaching assistant uh, for a while when I was in college and graduate school. Uh, But like I said, I was teaching the at-risk students in elementary school. Uh, So I really enjoyed the teaching aspect uh, of that. I loved writing lectures. I loved making presentations with PowerPoint or something. Uh, And I thought that a really great career would be you know, being in school for the rest of your life. I love school. I love everything about school. I love learning. And so I thought, wow, if I'm a professor, I get to write lectures all day. I like. I get to give those lectures. I uh, can create assignments. I can read a bunch of books and journal articles and be paid for it. And that whole aspect, you know, really appealed to me. Do you really, is it that you... Uh, I appreciate that you like teaching, but is do you also have a particular fondness of teaching like beginners? You know, and I'm asking to, to kind of kind of you know connect us to anthropology for you, but it seems like there's a passion for really introducing concepts like you know to somebody for the first time. Oh yes, uh, that definitely is kind of like I think the highlight of teaching. It um, I, I hear from a lot of students. Uh, that are other, you know, from other majors, and they have to take an anthropology course as some kind of requirement for global studies or something. And I heard over and over and over that they think anthropology is too hard and too complicated, and they don't want to choose that as one of their courses. And so, you know, what I would like to do, uh, and what I hope I'm doing, like you said, is taking the average person who thinks that this might be too hard for them or too complicated or whatever and show them uh, that it's not really that complicated. There are different ways you can explain things so that anybody can understand. Sort of, you know, to fast forward here a little bit. So anthropology for you, you know, online education for the general public, you know, teaching anthropology, uh, and we'll get into the specifics of that, but you know it's it's worth noting that in starting that you're both being a sort of like an entrepreneur, you know, you're being a creator, creator of content, um, which arguably all teachers are, but we use that word a little different when doing it on the internet. And so, you know, where did this entrepreneurial kind of spirit come from? Uh, it's kind of interesting because I never thought that I would ever start a business. Um, Of all the different topics in the world, the topic of business was at the bottom of my list. (laughs) And so I, you know, I never thought that I would do this. Um, But I've got multiple disabilities and things got to the point where I wasn't able to finish my PhD to become a professor. 
And so I thought, okay, what can I do now? I want to teach. Uh, I want to reach people who don't know anything about anthropology and get them excited about the topic. Um, but I needed a job that was online and that I could work on whatever I wanted rather than having to, you know, check in every day at 2 p.m. or something. And uh, so I gave it a lot of thought and I realized, you know, I take a lot of online courses through sites like Coursera and edX and things like that. And I thought I could do the same thing. I could create online courses, put them online and teach those people about anthropology. Uh, because I kept hearing from people, just, you know, random people in the public, uh, whenever I, you know, someone says, oh, what do you do? Or whatever, and I would so say I'm an anthropologist, most of the people would always say something like this, oh, anthropology, I always wanted to learn that, but I don't want to have to go to college to do that. And so finally, I realized that, you know, there are a bunch of people out there who just want to learn about it and don't necessarily want to be in a university environment. And I realized that I could start my own business and teach these kind of courses to those students from home. You know, the leap from the idea to doing it is still pretty significant, it requires a whole set of skills that maybe you already had before, but you know, everything from the content creation, which is obviously similar to teaching, um, but maybe different, you know, maybe there's more video or whatever it may be, uh, but also web development, marketing, right? Yeah, there's accounting in there. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things built that packed into that. Um, and so tell us a little bit about how you went about upskilling on all of that and, you know, really getting this off the ground. Yeah, I knew nothing about any of those topics, creating a website or marketing or starting a business. And basically, I spent a few months Googling everything uh, as much as possible. And um, I read books like, you know, The Dummy's Guide to Starting a Business and things like that. I found a few online courses that taught different aspects of starting a business or marketing and things like that. Um, and I had thought at first that all the like business aspects of anthropology for you would basically be a pain and just something that I had to get through in order to teach. But it turned out that I really, you know, enjoyed uh, the process of creating a business. I enjoyed researching my competition. I enjoyed creating a website. I enjoy making, you know, content for social media. And um, my biggest challenge was creating my website. I'm pretty good with technology, but I don't consider myself a computer expert or anything. And uh, so I could have made like a simple website using some kind of drag and drop builder like many companies offer online. And I tried those platforms, but it didn't give me what I was looking for. Uh, so once again, I Googled about making websites and found out about WordPress. And that was the most difficult thing for me. For some reason, I found WordPress very difficult to understand at first. And so there was a big learning curve and I Googled everything and I can remember being so frustrated. Um, and 
I kept at it and kept learning and kept Googling. And finally, I understood the software and created my website. So that's some of the challenges I faced. But like I said, I had no idea that I would end up actually enjoying all this. Tell us a little bit about the content creation, you know, particularly for the web, because that one could help you know, any teachers out there who also have access to you know, any of the online platforms, Blackboard, Moodle, et cetera, where they could create similar content for their students, even if they're teaching you know, on an academic campus. Um, but it's also relevant for content creators out there who want to bring anthropology to the public like yourself. So would you mind sharing a little bit about you know, your process? Sure. Uh, the one thing I wanted to do with my courses was make them self-paced. Like I said, I didn't want something where I would be teaching live every day at 2 p.m. or something. Um, that just would not work for me. So I did a lot of, you know, thinking about making these self-paced uh, courses where students, you know, can take them at any time, take as long as they want to finish, contact me with questions. Um, and uh, basically, I decided to do the vast majority of my courses through video lessons. Um, I had read that those were kind of a hot thing compared to just putting text online and having students click through. Um, so I had never made videos like that before, maybe quick little videos on my phone, but nothing that I would place online. Um, and so I did a lot of research and for example, uh, you know, I bought a tripod for my phone you know, to videotape everything. I bought a microphone and I actually uh, bought one of those photography backdrops that you can put together that have like a frame and then you hang a background on them uh, so that students wouldn't be looking at whatever's in my house. You know, they would have a more professional view. So like my uh, background drop uh, is made uh, out of books that looks like a library. Um, and then I chose uh, to put my first courses on Udemy.com uh, because I guess you have a choice uh, between uh, putting it on your own website or going to another uh, pre-existing platform like Udemy. And basically... It's very convenient to use a platform that people already have made, uh, but the problem is, is that if you put courses on places like Udemy, they take the vast majority of your profit. Um, so you really need to look at the details if you decide to do something like this. Um, you can you know, put the classes on your own website. Like if you have WordPress, you could use a plugin like LearnPress, uh, which is free. 
Uh, but then you've got to somehow drive all the students to your website. And that's a lot harder than just placing your course on a marketplace. Uh, so, for example, Udemy has over 54 million students. And a lot of these students take multiple courses and they search for courses in the system. So you've got an existing set of customers. Uh, so you basically have to decide you know, what you're going to do. Um, and there's also an, another option. You can pay a one-time fee and purchase your own platform. And that's something I recently did. I've only put two of my courses so far on that platform, uh, but I'll be putting them all uh, up there eventually. But once again, you know, you're responsible for driving students to that website. Yeah, and so you know that that brings us back to social media, and you are pretty active on there. Yes. So tell you know, tell us a little bit about what you've learned over the years of you know building an anthropology business. You're right. building a, a business sharing the knowledge of anthropology. So tell us what you've done to really bring people into that. Um, I have found that, uh, for example, on Instagram people really respond well to like small bites of information. Uh, they don't want to have to read a huge long post. And so, for example, I have uh, Instagram posts that I use the hashtag, did you know? And then I write a sentence or two about a very narrow topic in anthropology. And those have been very well uh, received. Um, so that's one thing that I do and that I also try to find uh, news articles that relate to anthropology somehow and post those on social media as well. And I hope that those show students some of the connections between what's going on in the world and anthropology. Is uh, the general public interested in any one of the four fields more than others? Like, is one stand out that they all like? Actually, I had kind of expected uh, that maybe archaeology would be something uh, a lot of us might remember as kids wanting to be an archaeologist or something. Um, but I have found, actually, that people are really interested in the cultural anthropology classes. And I didn't expect that so much. Um, and so I've got two cultural anthropology courses right now, but they happen to be the first two courses that I created. And so they're pretty short. They don't have a lot of information, but the students love those two courses and they're very involved asking me a lot of questions their answers on the assignments are thoughtful um, and so i've decided that i'm going to recreate those courses and add a lot more uh, depth and a lot more inf information because there's been such a response to those courses so aside from recreating those what are future plans in terms of you know future content 
there's a few things going on. Uh, I just released four adult coloring books that focus on anthropology, uh, one coloring book for each field. So for example, like if you look at the coloring book for biological anthropology, you could color images of human bones and primates and uh, DNA and that sort of thing. Um, and you could buy those coloring books on Amazon for about 10 US dollars. You just need to search for the phrase anthropology adult coloring books. And there's also links uh, to those on my website as well. And let's see, some other things that I have going on. Uh, I'm actually in the process of making several anthropology-related word search puzzle books. I just thought it would be kind of a fun thing to have. And so I'm going to have uh, word search books for the four fields of anthropology, probably also for medical anthropology. Um, and I'm going to be releasing uh, two more courses soon, a linguistic anthropology course and a forensic anthropology course. And then also I'm going to be cr uh, creating some medical anthropology courses for health professionals like doctors and nurses. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that medical schools are supposed to teach doctors about things like structural competence and cultural competence, health inequities, how people perceive health and illness, how people respond to symptoms and diseases and treatments and things like that. And that's all, you know, found in the field of medical anthropology. So I have joined uh, two groups of medical anthropologists uh, who are either doing these things already or they want to do these things. Uh, for example, one of the groups that is from the Society of Medical Anthropology, they just created a special interest group that I joined. Um, and there's also a group based in Europe that I joined as well. So I have a lot of things coming up soon and I'm very excited about all of them. Yeah, it's exciting here. Do you think you'll get into any other applied anthropology? At this point, I'm not sure. I feel like I have so much going on. I want to get through what I've got lined up first, and then I'll start thinking about what else I could do in addition. And so, I mean, considering, you know, so you're doing quite a bit in that space, and and obviously we all thank you for that. Obviously, it's very great, great work what you're doing. And, um, you know, related to to this you recently put together a little video that went out on the career commission uh anthropology yes. career commission's linkedin group could you tell everybody a little bit about that and how that came to be uh sure so i joined the uh anthropology career readiness commission because i really wanted to um make sure students were prepared for jobs that applied anthropology. Uh, that was my main motivation. Um, and just fairly recently, um, we were talking about, you know, what kind of social media things we could do. And I offered uh, to create some TikTok videos that uh, feature the different uh, one-page tools that the commission provides for students. 
And so I think I've made a total of four or five videos so far. Um, and I plan on making a video for the remaining uh, one page tools. And I'm hoping also to make some videos uh, about the blog posts on the commission website and other things on the commission website. And I've got a very good uh, response from that. I've had a lot of people on TikTok who have saved the videos uh, to their favorites or um, they have viewed them multiple times and things like that. And I really think that is a great way to reach uh, students because TikTok is so popular with uh, younger people. Um, and I try to come up with like a scenario uh, that they can relate to. So like with the one page tool that talked about how you can explain the relevance of anthropology in a job interview, I kind of went through a little scenario of, you know, you sit down at this job interview and the interviewer says something like, oh, you majored in anthropology. Well, we don't dig up dinosaurs here, you know. And then the student has to explain, actually, that's not anthropology. Here's what anthropology is, and here are some ways uh, that it's relevant to the workplace. Um, and I think people are enjoying these videos, so I'm excited to continue creating them. Great. And, and how do you feel? I know earlier, you know, you, you talked about Instagram a bit. So how do you feel, of, you know, of TikTok versus the other platforms? I, I like TikTok more. Uh, I think you can convey a lot more information through like a short video rather than uh, Instagram be text based mostly and image based. Uh, but I think that they probably... It's good to have both is what I think. It's all wonderful work. We look forward to seeing more of those videos. You know, we've been talking about a little bit so far, anthropology for you, but just so that everybody understands, uh, it's anthropology, the number four, the letter U. Um, you mind just, uh, you know, I probably just called it out, but you want to give a shout out to the website and any other properties you have that people should look at? Sure. Pretty much everything is listed on my website. Uh, so like you said, it's anthropology, uh, number four, letter U, all one word, uh, dot com. And um, all my contact information is on there, links to all the social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, and I also have a hashtag. So it's hashtag A N T H. And then number four and letter U. Very good. Well, Kirsten, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thanks for sharing and and really creating all the content that you do to help really uh, everybody, including the general public, learn a little bit more about anthropology. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me here today. Thank you for listening to the Anthropology and Business Podcast. To learn everything you need to break into business anthropology, and why business anthropology is one of the best lenses for contributing to business success, visit my website at madarts.me, where I cover many topics related to business anthropology and beyond. There you will find all the podcast episodes, blogs, and news. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.